Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, the U.S. and Canada are scheduled to receive rare malting barley cargoes from Argentina and Australia as drought conditions in North America last summer weighed on both countries' production of the crop. Will this result in more barley being grown on the prairies this year? Zenith Fay, the new chair of the Barley Council of Canada, will be with us to talk about production prospects and what he's planning for his own farm this year. And new research suggests rye can be used as a replacement in swine rations for corn, wheat or barley. A high-yielding hybrid of rye developed in Germany is less susceptible to ergot, a mycotoxin that reduces the animal's intake and in some cases can be fatal. University of Saskatchewan Assistant Professor Dr. Denise Bouillou says as long as the energy content of the rations remains high, up to 40% rye is similar to the typical corn or wheat-barley-based diets. She will share this newest research into an alternative feedstock. After the break, Zenith Fay. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. The Barley Council of Canada is recognized as the national voice for barley. BCC recently held its annual meeting and named Zenith Fay of Foam Lake its chair. So, Zenith, uh, let's talk about your organization first off, and uh, what is your focus? We've had, uh, you know, a year of uh, lower barley yields and uh, demand is up and things are looking more more optimistic for the, the next 2022 growing season. But it's still uh, to, to make sure that we, feed, we, we um, the Barley Council of Canada, does uh, a good job in providing the needs for all of our value chains. The Barley Council of Canada is, is uh, uh, you know, the one-stop place for the industry to get its voice. And we have a very strong technical uh, uh, group within the barley industry that can answer the, the questions that, that the, uh, the customer, our customers, they require, whether it's international or domestic. And, you know, that's one of the things I think producers uh, in, in – don't have enough knowledge about and we don't promote enough that there are the workings behind the what we do back on our farm to make sure that we have that uh, you know that ability to provide service technical or agronomic or whatever is required by the grower all the way to the end user and you know the the government regulations and discussing where where policy is going is a very key part of making sure that the industry is strong not only for, not only for the uh, end users but for the producer because if you don't have demand uh, your your prices go to the tank and it's uh, all about making sure that we have good strong customer relations and also um, have the backing of growers to to provide the, the commodity that is required in, in, the, uh, in the marketplace. There's always uh, popular crops that farmers kind of go to, depending on what part of Western Canada they're in. But do you see barley becoming more popular to grow? Barley is one of those crops that uh, in the past, everybody tries for malt, because you know, that's it only utilizes about 20% of the, 
of the barley grown, but you get a premium. You know, in the range of a dollar a bushel is has been in the past, but then it slipped. So a lot of people lost interest in and but the feed market has been uh, growing in uh, uh, across Western Canada, but also in in uh, in uh, the Maritimes. So uh, our our needs for barley and the industry wants more barley. Of course, our export uh, demand has also increased in the last couple of years, and some of that is attributed to some of the uh, market development work that the Barley Council was involved with uh, over the years with China. And yeah, it 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 requires for people to be interested on the on the customer side. We need to have volume and. Uh, Volume is uh, is going to be uh, determined on the grower farm. As a producer myself, you know it. it the, the market has to buy my acres, right? So, if it looks good on on our uh, balance sheet, then uh, we'll put more barley acres in. And it's the same thing with any other grower. So, and you farm in eastern Saskatchewan. So, are you planning on seeding more barley this spring? We don't change our rotation a lot on our farm. Um, you know, barley is is a crop that's always in our rotation because, you know, you can't grow canola on canola, and and uh, or at least you're not supposed to with the disease pressures and things like that. But uh, you know, the other crops have also are looking for uh, increase in uh, in uh, production and. And barley has to compete, so the marketplace has to determine uh, with the new crop pricing looking not too bad, but uh, barley needs to get some moisture during the growing season to to be able to do its full potential. And what will you be seeding this year? Well, we have uh, pulses, we grow peas, um, and we also have uh, oats where we are fairly... uh, uh, aggressive on our oat uh, acres and then uh, canola. Um, we've we've tried lots of other crops over the years, but uh, those are the the four kind of main ones on on our on our farm. It's encouraging in your area uh, with this winter's uh, snow cover, which certainly is going to help to improve moisture conditions. But I guess it always comes down to those uh, timely rains during the growing season. Yeah, I think uh, with the snowfall that we've gotten and the uh, number of shovelfuls that that we've had to uh, move around the yard, it uh, definitely looks optimistic that the dugouts will have some water, uh, which is good for the livestock guys. And, you know, barley is uh, 80% of the barley grown goes into the feed industry. So we need to have a strong feeding industry and cattle industry to, uh, to utilize uh, the crop as well. And, and with... Uh, uh, with the demand from the export market, uh, that also helps. But just getting back to our farm, you know, there will be enough adequate moisture for seed germination. It's going to, as always, you don't uh, make or lose a crop in, in February or March. Uh, it, you're going to need that timely rain as it goes gets into uh, June, July, and August. Uh, and, you know, like last year, it, it was the severe heat that... Uh, did a number on on the crop because it just it just cooked it uh, it gets to be uh, that that hot for that long Zenith Fay is the chair of the Barley Council of Canada and farms in eastern Saskatchewan after the break University of Saskatchewan assistant professor Dr. Denise Bolio
Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. With me is University of Saskatchewan Assistant Professor Dr. Denise Boulieu, and she's with us to talk about rye in livestock rations. So, Denise, rye has been used primarily for, I guess we call them adult beverages, but there is work being done so that it can also be used as feed. So tell us about this particular rye that's being studied. Yeah, this this variety of rye was developed by a plant breeding company in Germany, actually, but it, it is quite widely available here in Canada. And um, apparently, I'm not an agronomist, but apparently it does, it yields uh, very, very well. So, um um, the farmers are very excited about that, but as an animal scientist, I'm I'm it, I'm very excited because it isn't quite as susceptible to ergot, and ergot is a, a mycotoxin that affects rye, and so animals consuming um, rye that would have ergot in it would see decreased feed intake, reduced growth, and it can become really serious where it can have, um, it, it, it can actually be, be fatal if they consume too much of it. So what we're excited is that this rye, we're more confident in using it because it is less susceptible to, to, the, to the ergot mycotoxins. So there was some work done, oh, probably 20 years ago, showing that rye could certainly be a, a substitute for like wheat and soybean meal and come into our rations and be a really good feedstuff. But it wasn't widely used because of this issue with ergot. And it wasn't, you know, really... Um, widely grown. So it was grown specifically for the brewing industries. And so it wasn't that widely available. But now with these new varieties, we think the acreages will increase and there could be more available for animal feeding. And because we don't have to worry as much about the ergot, we really want to understand how it can be included in our diets. So we include it in our diets just as we would other grains. We bring it in. It's a good source of energy. And it's a good source of amino acids and proteins in our diets. Uh, the fiber composition of it is a little bit different. So that is something this specific work was kind of what was looking at. So we were really interested in how this specific fiber composition of the rye might affect feed intake. So there had been two or three other studies conducted, some in Alberta, And we did some preliminary work here that showed that pigs fed diets with up to 40 to 50% rye did really well. But then when we did some work here a couple of years ago, there was an indication that when the diets contained a little bit less energy, then those with high rye didn't do quite as well. And typically what happens if we feed the pigs diets that are lower in energy, the pig will just eat more. So they'll, they'll do just fine. They'll, just, they'll compensate for the low energy. And we had an indication in one of our experiments that this wasn't happening. So this experiment was designed specifically to test that hypothesis. All right. So let's talk about this particular research project and what you're hoping to find. This experiment was it was it was uh, conducted at the Prairie Swine Center, which which is just east of Saskatoon, and um, we had um, pigs that were about sixty kilograms of body weight, and we fed one hundred and sixty pigs, and they were split between gilts and barrels, 
five pigs per pan. So we started them on test at 60 kilograms of body weight, and then they went all the way up to market, which is about 130 kilograms of body weight. And then what we did was we fed them diets that were formulated with high and low energy. And these weren't, these were typical diets, but some just had a little bit more energy than others. So it'd be like a corn-based diet or a wheat-barley-based diet. And then to each of those diets, we added 40% rye, or we included 40% rye. And we found that with the high-energy diets, the pigs just did fine with the inclusion of 40% rye. So there was no difference, no difference in growth, no difference in feed intake, body weight, or carcass composition. But at the, with the low-energy diet without rye, so with a high wheat, low energy diet, the pigs did just fine, so they ate more, but they didn't compensate with the low energy diet, but the high rye. So we think it's something to do with this fiber. So the take home message to producers would be that the pigs will do fine with 40 to 50% rye in the diet, but the diets have to be formulated maintaining this higher energy composition. So what is the hope after this initial work? Hopefully we can get some information on why this is happening. So I've got some lab work to do. We've collected samples, fecal samples, trying to look at fiber digestibility going on in these pigs to see why they didn't compensate, what's happening with feed intake. But currently, uh, any like nutritionists, swine nutritionists, feed producers could use the information as it is, showing that if they want to include rye in the diet, they would have to formulate their diets at, at, at a, a little bit higher energy level. And especially if the diets were formulated on barley or something, you know, one, one of our lower energy grains, they would have to include something in there to increase the energy a little bit. Otherwise, they can expect the pigs on the low, lower energy and high rye not to do quite as well. So the take-home message is, is, would be very quite clear to swine nutritionists that rye can be incorporated into our diets, but maintaining this higher energy level. Are you seeing a difference in the pigs? And and I guess maybe explain why this is important work for the feed industry. Yeah, we don't see any difference in, in the, you know, in terms of in the growth or in the carcass value or anything like that. What it is, it, it is one more tool that we have that we can use in formulating our diets. For example, uh, there could be years where we have a lot of acreages of rye, but maybe it's not able to go into as, as number one rye, so it'll go into as feed, so it'll be available to use. So it, it is one more ingredient that we have available to use in our rations. We're trying to diversify our rations as much as possible so that we are less dependent upon the traditional grains, and we're a little bit more flexible with what we can use. University of Saskatchewan Assistant Professor Dr. Denise Beaulieu. It's time for the Agriculture News in Review for the week of February 14, 2022. Several agriculture groups called for the immediate end of blockades of Canada's transport and trade corridors and for all levels of government to work collaboratively towards action on the issue. Protests hampered or stopped transport of foods and vegetables, meat and food packaging, 
feed supplies, livestock shipments, transport equipment, and other essential agriculture supplies, and negatively impacting Canada's supply and delivery of essential goods. Calling for the action were the Canadian Agri-Food Trade Alliance, Cattlemen's Association, Federation of Agriculture, Horticulture Council, Pork Council, the Meat Council, Canadian Produce Marketing Association, and National Cattle Feeders Association. A well-known agricultural meteorologist is not expecting a repeat of last year's widespread prairie drought. Drew Lerner with World Weather uses 18-year upper-air wind flow cycles that help make his forecasts. After a dry start in April and into May, things should start to improve. Lerner says the spring will be stressful for farmers during seeding in the driest areas of southwest, south-central and west-central Saskatchewan. But on the positive side, he is not anticipating the extreme heat we had last summer. Saskatchewan's agricultural exports set another new record. Exports were worth $17.5 billion in 2021, which was an increase of almost 7% over the record of $16.4 billion set the previous year. Leading agri-food export commodities continue to be canola seed, canola oil, non-durum wheat, lentils, durum and dry peas, with top international market destinations including the United States, China, Japan and Mexico. Agri-food exports represent nearly half of Saskatchewan's exports. With the higher price of glyphosate, growers may be looking to use lower rates this spring. A spraying expert indicates it can be done, but there are a number of things to keep in mind. Tom Wolf with Agrometrics Training and Research said water quality is an important factor. He said it's important not to lower glyphosate rates so much that there are weed escapes, which could lead to herbicide resistance down the road. Farm tractor sales in Canada remain strong. The Association of Equipment Manufacturers said sales of tractors for January were up 6.3% overall. Sales of over 100 horsepower units jumped 26%. A different story, combine sales in January fell 30% in Canada, and tractors are considered the benchmark for the farm equipment industry. Taking a proactive approach to managing risk, Farm Management Canada launched a training program called Roots to Success. Program manager Mathieu Lapari said farm life can be unpredictable as producers deal with everything from weather, pests, relationships and more recently COVID-19. The training sessions allow farmers to gain knowledge of tools and resources to make better business decisions, share best practices and lessons learned with other farmers, and start the process of creating a plan tailored for their farm. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Patterson Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.